words appear. The email addresses and groups mentioned in this program are no longer available. The Blind Handyman Group does exist in its new incarnation on groups.io. To join, send a blank email to blindhandyman plus subscribe at groups.io. That's blindhandyman plus subscribe at groups.io. Alternatively, you can join our Blind Handyman Facebook group. Links will be in the description box below. Welcome to the Blind Handyman Show. This being show number 56 on uh, October 21st, 2003, recorded at a little ranch house right here on Southwood Drive in Lufkin, Texas. For the next hour, we're going to talk about building, repairing, and maintaining, all designed, of course, with the blind in mind. Here are the hosts for the Blind Handyman, Don Shaw. Yeah, Mr. Tom. <laughs> What's the good word, man? Oh, Dr. Pepper, I guess, Donald. I'm not sure. Don Patterson, hi <laughs> yes, there. Sir, enjoying these good fall days. One's a carbon copy of the other one. Yes. Beautiful weather. Just marvelous, I guarantee you. My marvelous. Name's Tom Houston. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, back this week, and boy, we're glad. The creator and producer of the Blind Handyman Show, ladies and gentlemen. Here he is, Phil Parr. So, uh, did y'all even wish me a happy birthday while I was gone? Say anything? Uh, well, as a matter of fact, we remember his birthday. Well, I, I turned uh, 63 while I was while I was out in California. And there wasn't much to it. It wasn't just like being 62. It really wasn't worth the wait. It didn't make any difference. Well, it wasn't worth the wait, and I hadn't gotten my presents yet. I ordered a book port from APH. and uh, That book port has not come in it yet? It has not my come goodness. yet. I guess I need to call Man. him and see. Uh, see what that thing kicked back yeah, on. Yeah, it did. I thought it just was last year. <laughs> was last, yeah. <laughs> what a deal. Well, anyway, y'all did a little show last week without me. I understand there were some problems, yeah. Oh, uh, well, gigantic problems. Yeah, but we had a mystery, a mystery phone caller straighten us out. He 
Called, Did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Called us from San Francisco. Or, called us from San Francisco. Yeah. Where was I Tuesday? I guess I was in. Uh, I was in Seattle by then. We were in Seattle. We went up to the up to the Northwest. It was it was a good trip. It was, we 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 kind of misplanned. We moved too much at the last like you know we only stayed uh, one night in each. So we were moving every day, and that gets old. Uh, yeah, the way these hotels do it, what you have to check out by eleven or noon, but you yeah. can't check in till three, so you really can't even get a room for twenty four hours. That's anyway. about the way it was. We got to and and the, the train Amtrak, and we know this Amtrak is always this train <laughs> was supposed to be in Seattle at eight o'clock, and it got there at one. Whoa. And this is in the morning, so uh, of course, being the, the wow. technology people that we are, Luann just got out the laptop and watched a movie. <laughs> <laughs> You know, which I thought was cool, and I had a book I read. Um, I read a book. Let me recommend Al Franken's book. You can get it from Audible, and I don't know if APH has got it to, got it yet or not. It's called Lies and the Lying Liars Who Tell Them. It's one of the best books I have ever read, and I highly recommend it. I may have to give away copies. <laughs> it's yeah. A, it's written, a, it's of course, a, from the Democrat perspective. It was written. It's it's written from the perspective of a liberal, which is a great word. Liberal. I, Phil Parr, am a liberal, and damn proud of it. Uh-huh. I'm tired of them not <laughs> using the word liberal. But he supports that conservative Republican, Wes oh, Clark. He is on, a Phil. Say what you mean, man. He is a conservative Democrat, and I hope you think he's a Republican. I hope you will vote for him. We've been working on him. We're going to get him out of his shell before it's over with. Yeah, he's, he's difficult. He's difficult to pin down on an issue. But you didn't have much. Last week, you didn't have any of that kind of stuff last week, did you? No, we didn't. We talked to the chair over there. Talked to the who? We to the chair. To, to the chair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, being 63 is no great shakes. It wasn't any big deal. So what else is going on? Weather's pretty. Oh, nice fall day. Oh, great Good. days. Just marvelous weather. Man, about I mean, a week of it. Fantastic. Yeah, they're making giant progress <laughs> on my house out there. Because they are. Okay, tell us about that. What are they all well, got? Well, we've got now? it all. Got the decking and the tar paper on the roof and all of the siding. You know that goes behind the brick. No insulation yet. Yeah. But slab. Uh, I guess the three. Uh, the plumber comes to do his inside work. Vent through the roof. Set the tubs. Then the uh, electrician comes, and then the air conditioner guy comes to do his duct work. Yeah. And then I guess shingles and windows and dry in completely. I guess. And that's it. So you actually might actually be in it by Christmas. You think? Oh no! I uh, he allowed you know the, for the, the March. Bank, he allowed April the first just to keep out of trouble. But I, I tell yeah. Emily I think It'll March the first. She's shooting for February the first. Uh, I think she's probably hope closer she's, to hope right. She's right. Because, it, you know, once it's dried in, especially if we had some inclement weather in November because where they couldn't do any outside work, they'll be happy to come in and build your cabinets, boy. Yeah. Well, they'll I've be, seen them. Uh, you know. We, we have some people down the street from us that are building, and we've gotten acquainted with them. Yeah. And we went in their house last week, and it wasn't sheetrocked. It was, it was ready to sheetrock. We went in it two days later, and it was 90% sheetrock. Yeah. Whoa. I mean, taped and floated. I mean, it was... Let's get so on you, with it. You saw that guy did my bathroom. He did in about 45 minutes. I well, mean, what, and you on know. Your, your building here, your radio yeah. room here, and it's, what, 1,600 yeah. square feet, and they roofed it in a day. I mean, well, Less than a day. The guy was out yeah. of here by, by 2 o'clock. Yeah, this guy's amazing, guy, too. This one guy was carrying... I don't know if you've ever carried a bundle of shingles. Yeah. This one guy was walking up the ladder with a bundle of shingles. So they left a bundle, and Shaw and I decided we were going to move it. And it took both of us to pick that sucker up. And, and this guy was walking, tucking it under his arm and walking up the ladder and going, 
Oh man, there's no problem walking up this ladder with these. You know, yeah. I mean, they were probably drinking oh, cold cerveza at two thirty. They were huh? drinking my cold cerveza <laughs> at two thirty. <laughs> anyway, it won't be long till you'll be in the house. I guess we'll have to do. We'll have to do some sort we'll of. We'll have a to do a remote or something. Remote from your uh, from your room. How you like your new microphone, boy? Doesn't he sound good on his new oh, microphone? Oh, the best I've ever. Heard. Best yeah. I've ever. Heard. I mean, kind of small. Gracious. I have to make sure I. You, you hit it. Thank you. Hit it. Brian gets everything yeah. he wants. Boy, if we had the old Sony mini disc recorder, we could do a remote from the living room. Boy, I'm talking well, about an echo effect. I think we can. I think we can do it with the, the living book, room with the book port. If I ever get it, you know, that's a thought. Think you can be done with book port? Whoa, that's a good idea. Because book port records on a flash card. I think it'll do yeah. so many hours on a flash card. So I think, I think we could do that um, if we if I ever get it. Just, you know, you folks. Boy, that, now we could do that. Maria Delgado at APH. I need to call her and do a <laughs> do a blind like me with her. So the story show ran with all the guys. I think everybody loved it. The story. We had all the little stories. Yeah, the blind story, blind yeah. like me, seems to have done well. That was on what? That was on this past Friday, right? That was on this past it Friday. It was. Show number 13. Uh-huh. I think we are going to maybe make that a regular, maybe not a monthly feature, but a regular feature. Do we have email, Tommy? Yes, sir, yeah. we do indeed. Hi, everyone. Last November, my husband and I authorized Century 21 to remodel our bathroom. Uh, It was a mess before this because it had a mold problem. So we had an electrician install a ceiling fan, and we had Century 21 put in an acrylic surround system. It changed our old bathtub from pink to white acrylic, and the walls and ceiling in the tub area are all this white acrylic. Uh We added a new sink, vanity, and toilet. But the walls and ceiling in this area are just painted a light beige. Uh, for a while, the bathroom looked quite nice. However, the mold has been ever so slowly returning. First, it started in the grout of the block window. Then it attacked the caulking between the top of the tub and the acrylic wall. Now it's on the acrylic wall underneath the four acrylic corner shelves. Now Century 21 put one of those green uh, sheet walls behind the acrylic wall supporting the plumbing fixtures so it cannot be a leak uh, from there. We all shower with the ceiling fan turned on. Some of us dry out the tub and the walls when we have finished our shower. Some of us do now. <laughs> that's right. I wonder if that's a housewife writing. You did a housewife or a husband. Some of us don't this bother. This is a female. Yes. Um, obviously, hubby dear doesn't. Hubby is not. Okay. Here's her problem. They told us not to use anything abrasive on this acrylic. So I've been using vinegar and or Windex. Yeah. So that doesn't even touch the mold. I want to wash it down with a solution of a half cup bleach or and to one gallon of water, but I'm afraid that may harm the acrylic. Man. Do any of you handy persons have any <laughs> helpful suggestions? This from Kathy Luters. I have no idea. Do you? Does anybody have any idea? Well, uh, I know that they make, I think when they're talking about abrasives, though, I believe they're talking about the powdered Ajax, and uh, I mean, that would be what I would take as an abrasive. And I think they make some real powerful, uh, uh, you know, it's like Top Job or, or some of your uh, Formula 409 and all that. Mr. And I know, Clean. But I guess, you know, I, I can't hardly imagine, and I guess she's talking about they put the green rock in there. Yeah, behind that's that what one I think tub. Too. That should have probably been put everywhere. Uh, anywhere you have, you know, just direct contact with the water. I hope that's what they did. And then, of course, 
I'd say on your paint, you just need to really make sure it's painted with enamel as opposed to just latex. And that might help some because you can kind of wash that off. But I, uh, other than that, I have no clue. Man, but I, I, I think you know, abrasive, she might, you might, I wouldn't be afraid to try my bleach. A liquid bleach. I wouldn't. I think that what they're talking about is using Ajax or. That's what or, I think. You, you, mean, comment, something you mean a very light mixture of water and. and I, uh, I would try uh, the Clorox. I'd get me a little Clorox in water, and, uh, and and give that a shot. I think the I caulking, might. caulking, you know, can be t- taken out. Actually, you can go in there and remove the caulking and put new caulking, and that's probably going to be about as cheap as uh, trying to clean the old. Uh, I'd be interested in starting out with new caulking, maybe, and just seeing how long it, it took to... Well, I thought that's what they did. Well, she did, but she said it's already turned mold, but I think she'll be better off replacing the caulking as opposed to trying to clean it. But what is making, what is creating the mold? Yeah, that's Well, the moisture question. of some sort. Some kind yeah. of moisture, uh, or it, it, if it's a dark, if it doesn't have a window, when the light, if it's a dark yeah. room most of the time, I don't know. You, know, I, you might check, like, I don't know what... We don't know where they're from. I don't know if they're having some serious temperature inversions. You know, if the, if the yeah, room is, true. if they're in cold weather in the bathroom. Some bathrooms, you know, don't really have heaters or an air conditioning vent. Some do, some don't. That's some true. have the electric mm-hmm. heater in conjunction with an exhaust fan or just an electric heater. Like the, my upstairs bathroom has both air conditioning and, but a lot of the newer houses, they don't put the air conditioning vent. They in sure the, don't. In the bathroom. They just have an exhaust fan. So I'm not sure what the situation, if you're getting a... But temperature can be a problem. You need to keep it with the kind of the temperature of the rest of the house. But uh, I wonder if, moisture, if a neighbor yeah. of her, if, if anyone else around is having that sort of problem. But that it, would be a the good question thought. to ask, wouldn't it? Mold is a, is a stuff that that it that it grows and I don't know anything. I know no, nothing. It's hard to get rid of. I've always but, I mean, heard it, that it would self multiply. So if they didn't get rid of it, then it could come back, couldn't it? Regrow on its own. Yeah, it's a fungus, yeah. I guess. A you, fungi, yeah, or I, think I so. guess you know. But I'm not sure if, if what I wonder if we're talking about what I call mildew is mold. You know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Are the things the insurance companies are complaining so much? I would so not be afraid to try my little concoction of like bleach Clorox. And, and water. Yeah, I, th- I think I think probably so. But but did Century Twenty One tell you what I'm saying? Is if you decide to sue Century Twenty One, my wife's number is <laughs> six three uh, four. Or let them return the favor for you. Why don't you just let them sell it? <laughs> yeah. my wife yeah, is an attorney, and she'd be happy to. Only kidding. We, in fact, we used to own a Century Twenty One franchise. It's a franchise deal that you buy. John really? owned a, John owned it at one time. But if you decide to sue him, give me a call. I uh, don't know anything about mold, but surely somebody was it. Did this come off the list? Yes. Did anybody answer it? Well, I think she got a couple of little bites on it, but it was mostly bleach. Uh, probably the watered thing down bleach. Said, yeah, watered down bleach. I bet. Uh-huh. I'd try it. I agree with him. Okay, hi gang. I'm interested in purchasing an electric heater for my garage. Yep. I have a 24 by 22 garage. I yep. haven't had the time to insulate it yet, but need the heat anyway. I'm also on a cost restriction, as my wife would go through the roof if I spent too much heating the garage. Sears.com has an all-metal milkhouse heater that it says is for outdoors. Any insight would be helpful. Thanks, Jeff. It's not insulated. That's what he says. Jeff, my boy. Not yet. You're going to have a problem. You know, but wonder where another thing, 
Wonder where his hot water heater is and what kind it is. My hot water heater is gas. My garage is insulated. And when I had my, remember when I had all my work, my woodwork tools in the garage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought uh, one day it was cold and I thought, I'll work out there. I'll just put the door down and plug this electric heater up. Then I got to thinking, well, damn, this gas hot water heater's in this garage and me closed up with an electric heater going, so I didn't do it. it and, and maybe that's unfounded fear. But if it's not insulated, you're going to have a terrible time. Money bills. I'd, 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 if I was going to do that, I'd buy a wood stove and put it over in the corner and vent it out. And, well, I'm going to be faced know. with the same problem. We had an extra. Yours will be insulated. Yeah, I was going to say sheetrocked and insulated garage. But for safety, I guess I assume a garage, you may have gasoline-powered things in there from time to time, lawnmowers, whatever. Yeah. They make an oil-type electric heater. That that has oil in it, and the and the heater heats the 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 electric thing heats up the oil. It circulates now, through like it a radiator. Does through it? like yeah. a radiator. Now, and I think it's kind of the safest as far as being around mm-hmm. stuff. And I assume you're just talking about a heater to kind of warm you individually. I don't think you're going to get anything that, unless it be humongous that would ins- the heat that whole garage. So maybe he's just... not insulated, boy, it's going to be a... Yeah, I was just thinking maybe he wants something if he was working out there, yeah. if he could put it close. I wonder close if, the, if the walls are open, because if they're open, insulation is dirt, filthy, cheap. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, insulation is cheap, and if you buy... If you bought insulation, you'd have a good reason to buy a compressor and a tacker to put it up with. But even if you had to put it up... With with a hammer or or a little nail gun like a little electric nail gun like Don Shaw's got, insulation is cheap. I meant to yes, mention the fat while while ago. When they're insulating, you need to tell them to insulate every wall in your house, the inside walls too. It's cheap. It's the cheapest thing you can do. And then you know if somebody's in the bedroom making noise or in you know you, you know she does have grandkids. You got to remember, remember that, Grandpa. <laughs> Papa, she does have grandchildren. Well, I hear that bumper music in the background. Do we, we have, hear a, that. have a guest today, Donald Shaw? We do have a guest today from uh, that lives in Phoenix, Arizona. So right. we will. You didn't read the email about Pat saying talking I... about the transit system, did you? We didn't catch the email today about the transit system. About Don Shaw and the transit system. We need Don Patterson in the transit system. We need to catch that one, too. Next week, we'll we'll have those emails. And we'll talk about the drill doctor. And we're going to have a guest in just a few minutes from Phoenix, Arizona, that's going to talk about uh, building houses. Back in just a minute. More of the Blind Handyman. Hang on.
everybody. This is Phil Parr. We're enjoying putting these little programs together for you. We hope you're enjoying them, too. We've been on with the Blind Handy Man for more than a year now. We've done ten Blind Like Me shows. We're having one little problem. You can help us with it. We always need guests for both shows, and we sometimes have a problem finding them. If you'd like to be a guest on either show, or you know someone who might make a good interview, email us at one of the following addresses. Blind Handyman, all one word, at hotmail.com, or Blind Like Me, all one word, at thqcom.net. Also, if you have ideas for future shows, include them in your email. We look forward to hearing from you. And please tell your friends about the show. Thanks again from all of us at the Blind Handyman and Blind Like Me. is the blind handyman be sure and tell a friend about the program and email us often blindhandyman at hotmail.com now here is more of the show with don shaw all right we are back and for we are aren't we? we are we're really back <laughs> it's good to be back i'll we tell you that we are back we are definitely our guest today is it lives in 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 a, in a in a little town called well I don't know how little Phoenix Arizona Kevin Chin how are you doing today Kevin I'm doing great how All are right. you I wouldn't call a Phoenix a little town. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe not so little. But yeah. It's a pretty big town. And it's pretty hot today, too. What? It's 103 degrees. going to be 103 today. My goodness gracious. Whoa. I'm, I'm, glad, lot, uh, folks. I'm glad I'm not there. Kevin, is there more than a million people there yet? Yeah, you know, Phoenix has a million people, and the surrounding area, the metro area has uh, two million. Yeah. It's actually a pretty good-sized town. Yeah, they... It's like the seventh largest city in the United States. Is that right? I didn't realize that. I didn't realize it was that big. No kidding. It's in the middle of the desert. Yeah. And, and it's 100 and what? Today, you know, this is, you know, the latest time. This, actually, we're breaking records here now. Wow. The last couple of days, it's actually been a high of 103 degrees. Ah. I, I remember being in Laughlin, Nevada, which is not that far from you in October, late October, and it was 105, 100, you know, I couldn't believe, wind blowing 70 miles an hour. Wow. Yeah, I I mean, we're all going stir-crazy here from the heat. And they all talk about, well, that's dry heat, so it's not as bad. Bull. Well, you know what? (laughs) I hate to disagree with you, but it's a dry heat, and it is better than a humid heat. Well, probably some better, but it was awful hot in Las Vegas, and I was there in August one time. Yeah, it's it's hot. You know what what it's like. If you want to take and turn your oven up to, you know, like 115 (laughs) or 120, and then just stick your head in there, that's the way it is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe not today. Maybe we'll pass on that. I was just telling Emily that the other day. (laughs) Why don't you stick your head in the oven? We have all electric ovens here. (laughs) Yeah. You don't want to let her hear this show down there. <laughs> and you, uh, you were how long have you been without sight? You know, I I started going blind when I was 28, uh-huh. and I've been um, blind since 19, right around 1988. Yeah, are, when are I you? went started going blind, and um, I was right around 30 years old. Mm. So, 
it's been, you know, before that, actually here in Arizona, when I I could see before, and they gave out like, you know, 15-year driver's licenses, yeah. so my driver's license just expired, and I'm total. <laughs> wow. Oh, you're, you're total now. But your insurance guy loves you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah. I'm the, I was my insurance guy. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I owned it. I, I just sold an insurance agency. I had a um, there, we had a partner, and there was two of us. We owned an all-state insurance agency here mm-hmm. in um, Phoenix for ten years. We had it, so I was my own insurance agent. Yeah. Now, was this before or after you you lost your eyesight? This that insurance? was after I lost my eyesight. So you were an insurance salesman after you lost your eyesight. Right. Exactly. That's very interesting because. You think of insurance salesmen doing a lot of eye contact with the person and, and looking sincere, and and uh, so that's that would be an interesting. Uh, we might we might do a whole other show on that someday. But well, now, you, learn look, you learn to look at people. You know that's one yeah. of the things with good sales is you have to, you know, be able to look at them. And and you know the the a lot of people said, oh, I didn't even know you were blind. Yeah. You know, and and actually my partner Tim, and he's. At law school now, I think we had our midlife crisis at the same time, so we sold the agency. <laughs> but you know, we he, we would have clients come in, and he'd get clients, I'd get clients, and sometimes you know, if the clients went to his desk to write policies, you know, they'd be talking and they'd whisper over to him, and say, "Hey, you know, is that gentleman you know visually impaired or blind?" And he'd go real loud. He goes, "Yeah, he's blind, but he's not deaf." I love it. Uh, you might as well have fun with it. Nothing you can do about it, is it? Exactly. I as well have a good time. But now, what, what did you what did you do before you you became before you lost your eyesight? Well, it, right before I lost my eyesight, I was a printer, and before that, I was I had a construction business where I raised houses. So I've done a few things in my life. As in tore them down? It, well, actually, the definition of house raising in the dictionary, I think, is where a group of people gets together and builds a house for somebody. But what we did is it was more raising and leveling, where we'd actually lift the whole house up in the air. Yeah. Or level floors, and we'd move houses, too. Mm-hmm. And so that you... was, it was a family-owned business. My father started this business after World War II, in the Chicagoland area, mm-hmm. and that's where I was born and raised. And then I worked at since I was 13, and then when I got out of high school, I worked and then became a partner in it when my father retired. And then things changed, and I moved yeah. out of there into Phoenix and became a printer then. But so for you, many years I raised houses. You have done some building, you've done some leveling, you've done a little bit of everything where it, when it comes to uh, to right. the house. Yeah, it's, you know, there we'd have, um, you know, like a lot of businesses would call us because their floors were unlevel, uh-huh. you know, so we'd level them up, especially bars and taverns uh-huh. would call us. Their floors are unlevel and they need it for the pool table, and we'd do that, or, you know, we would raise houses totally for four-foot foundations or for basements. Yeah, to raise a house and and dig a basement under the house and then set the house back down? Correct. Yeah, we were, we were kind of talking about that last that. week. How would you raise a house high enough to get a bulldozer under it? Man, you'd have to... That's some that's some raising, you know. Well, the, the what would happen is... And we were 
kind of different. This was in the 1970s and early 80s when I did this. Uh-huh. So it was a while ago. But that was in the time we used all wood. You know, we had wooden timbers and we had um, what we called cribbing blocks, which was similar to railroad ties, which was 6-inch by 6-inch, about 4 feet tall, uh-huh. and 8-inch by 8-inch, which yeah. was about 4 feet tall. And they were... Light wood, and we had some oak, which we didn't really want to use because it was too heavy. But um, yeah. <laughs> you would you would get up, you'd, you'd get to a house, and you'd have to crawl under the house and figure out the way the floor joists were going because a lot of houses had additions, and the floor joists went every which way. Uh huh. And you know, you'd look at the outside of the house and the plates, and that's actually where I I sent had sent you the email because you were talking about the plate and the yeah. grouping of the plate because we lifted houses and had to you know lift them like an inch and then you know, because they're all bolted down. So we just cut the bolt off with a hacksaw then. And then the house would just pop up a little bit more. Yeah. And we're done. But we'd, we'd look at the floor joists, and we'd have to figure out how we would run timbers under the house with the floor joists. You know, and the floor joists could all go one way. That was the best way it would happen. Yeah, so that, so right. that you could support the, the, the whole house without Correct. part of it lopping off to one side. Right. <laughs> yeah. But if they built additions, the floor joists might actually go two different ways. Yeah. Then you'd have to figure out how to put, you know, timbers in there and, you know, catch the addition that was on there to raise the whole house. Uh-huh. And then you'd get under there, and some houses you'd have four foot of room under, and some houses you'd have um, no room under. So you'd, you might have to dig... You know, ditches or you know, through underneath the house to actually get up under there. To get up under there, or you might just lift the house from the outside if the house was strong enough until you could fit things under there. And God knows what you'd find under there. Oh man! Uh, yeah, I mean, we we worked on one house I remember, and this is in Illinois. And garter snakes. There's garter snakes in Illinois. Yeah. We lifted this house up, and everything was fine the day we lifted up, and we probably had the house up three feet in the air, because it already started with on some type of piers. Uh-huh. So it was probably a foot and a half up anyway. So we, the house was probably three feet in the air. You had to crawl underneath the house, you know, on your hands and knees to get to where you had to go to lift the house up. And the next morning we got there, and there was hundreds, if not thousands, of garter snakes underneath this house. Whoa. And, you know, we cut the plumbing, so the plumbing was like a foot, you know, the two pipes you know, raised up a foot apart from each other. Uh-huh. So there were snakes crawling up the plumbing, trying to get up into the house, and it was totally ridiculous. And there were snakes all the way from six inches to the biggest garter snakes I've ever seen in my life. Wow. But the, but you didn't see these the first day? Not the first day, no. We saw a few snakes, but not like this. Wonder where they were. I don't know. And the lady <laughs> said that she's always had problems with snakes. I remember that. That was one of the most vivid things I've ever done, because you're crawling all around these garter snakes and Kicking them out of the way <laughs> yeah. under there so you yeah. can raise a house. Now, uh, garter snake it won't won't hurt you. It, no, it didn't bite you. Even if it nipped you or something, it wouldn't hurt. It would have been, I mean, they aren't poisonous. No, no, they're not poisonous. So they were they're just, just garden snakes. They were know, just so in the way. They were in the way, and they were kind of you know kind of like was weird getting having to crawl around these things. <laughs> yeah, that'd be creepy under a dark house, and you've got snakes uh, surrounding you, and not, not man, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I that would that'd be it for me. I'd, yeah. I'd be, you know, I'd have to find something else to do. And I remember one time too. Um, my brother and I were in the business together, and he, you know, I was a skinny little guy, 
Uh-huh. You know, I weighed about 140 pounds, so I would be the one that would always have to go under the houses when they were, you know, really low. The there yeah. was no room under the house. You only yeah. have to crawl between the floor joists yeah. on certain houses. Yeah. But I remember my brother one time, he was the one that went under the house, and he yells at me for a shim, which we had shims to, you know, shim up the parts where we were raising, which was anything from a wooden shingle to a four-by-four four block. Yeah. And I crawl up, and you got to crawl up, like, between their legs because, you know, they hand it to them. Yeah. And you got a flashlight because it's, like, just pitch black under there. Mm-hmm. And I, I crawl up, and I'm crawling up his feet. Then I see his knees, and then all of a sudden there's this, like, right on his crotch, there's this biggest rat you ever wanted to see. <laughs> and it's like, okay, i got a four-by-four four block in my hand. Do I whack him with it? <laughs> and... But I didn't. I didn't. I should have whacked him with it. I did. So this rat was sitting on your brother's butt. He was actually. My brother was on his back. So and the rat wasn't on him, but it was like right up tight against his, right in his crotch. This rat was not afraid. The rat wasn't afraid. When I got up right there, it jumped over his leg and ran away. Yeah. But those, you know, we had rats and moles and mice and. Snakes and cats and but this dogs. was this was this rat's home and you were invading it and he wasn't too afraid of you. <laughs> he wasn't too happy and that, you know it, that was like one of the first rats I've ever seen in my life and it's like oh god let me yeah that thing. But, but <laughs> you didn't whack him with the block. Well, I didn't whack my brother with the block. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> so, Kevin, I wonder what what's probably the biggest house y'all ever moved and how far roughly? Uh, uh you know. The houses, um, we raised uh, single, you know, the the most we did, I think, was we got into subdivisions that houses, they were ranch houses that were built on um, four-foot foundations. And that was sweet because you could get in there, you had four feet of room, you could, you know, yeah. put timbers in, lift the house up in like a day and a half or two days. And you'd only lift the house up like four and a half feet, and they would put the knee walls up on top of the four-foot foundation, and then they would, um, you know, pour the cement, and we'd let the house down, and, you know, well, we'd let the house down before they poured the cement, but you'd let it back down, so you actually had a basement then, and it was built with knee walls. You know, you had a four-foot foundation, and you'd build up, you know, six-foot knee walls or five-foot knee walls so that you had enough room for a basement. Uh-huh. It worked out real well that way, and those were the best. But the biggest house we we raised, you know, was probably, you know, I don't know, twenty two hundred, twenty five hundred square feet. Yeah, you know, and, that, and it's not really hard. You just, it's not one timber. Sometimes, sometimes you have to put, you know, two timbers together, like two twenty four foot timbers or thirty two foot timbers together, and yeah. raise them that way. And you use what called what's called cribs, and these were those railroad ties. If, and you take and make them into little squares. As you lifted the house up, and we used hydraulic jacks. We used eight and ton, eight ton and ten ton jacks that you'd buy for your car at Sears. Most of the jacks we used were Sears from Sears. Uh, really, the regular hydraulic jacks. Yeah, they had machines coming out at that time, and a lot of pe- and a lot of the house raisers were going to steel. You know, raising houses with steel. You know, I beams. Looks like that would be better. Well, it's with a with a wooden timber. You don't have to be so, you know, right on with the centering of the jack on the timber. You, with a with a steel beam, you have to be definitely on that 
middle of that um, yeah. steel I beam, or else you know you don't want anything to come flying out at you. <laughs> no, you sure don't. Well, then I guess we got to ask because I listened to the car talk guys, and they were telling one time about dropping a car off the lift. Did you ever drop a house? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I dropped a house with a guy in it too. The guy was in it. The guy was in it, and the only thing we broke was a bottle of Pepsi fell out of the refrigerator and broke. And what happened is we went, we had a house, and the house was actually on the ground, and they wanted the house raised, and they were going to build a large addition. So, you know, we start, we're going to say, we're going to start the house on such and such a date. So the date we get there, we go over there, and they had backhoed and dug the addition out, which was like a 10-foot hole, but up against the house. So it's like, yeah. you know what, we don't want to raise this house because if something happens, you know, it's going to go in that hole and we're going to lose the house. Because it's possible because the ground breaks away. Yeah. So we're like, you know, uh, we were greedy anyway, so we did the house anyway. And uh, we started raising the house, and that exact thing happened. It didn't fall in the hole. It just, you know, you know, fell off. The ground broke away on that one side of the house. And it dropped down. And it slid probably about four inches when it fell down. And it fell, only fell down like maybe three inches. But it slid four inches. So the house actually moved, and then we had to, you know, go in there because we didn't really want to, we didn't like digging, you know, trenches to get the beams through. Yeah. yeah. So then we had to definitely dig trenches, which took, took days and days and days. And, of course, that uh, jerked yeah. all the plumbing loose when the house moved. It did, you know, it didn't do too bad a job on the plumbing. You know, a lot of times there's a lot of give on that. You'd be surprised at how much give you have. The septic, you know, the the cast iron piping, that was another story. Yeah. But, but the actual piping under the house, there was, you know, that had enough give on it to go. So, and, you know, and talking about that, we used to, when we'd raise the house, you know, we'd raise the house up, you know, four inches, six inches, five feet, you know, and you'd, you'd all this plumbing, you'd have to break. You know, the septic or the sewer line, which is cast iron to break. Cut or break or whatever. Well, you'd, we'd break it with a with a uh, either a sledgehammer or a, or a heavy mallet, you know, and they weren't that difficult to break. Yeah. And then the, the water lines we would cut with a hacksaw. Uh-huh. And everything would be shut off, and you'd um, raise the house. So you raise the house, and then the family, most of the times the family lived in the house while we were raising it. Really? So, yeah, oh, yeah. So you take a big inner tube and, you know, tie it onto the sewer line going from the house down to the, you know, the ground. So they could go ahead and use it. So they could go ahead and use it. And then you <laughs> just buy extension for the water and you, you know, put that up, you know, PVC pipe just so it didn't leak so bad that, you know, all the water went around. You'd get wet, but yeah. that really was But so, so they'd have water in the house and they they be able to use the sewer. Right. Okay. And, yeah, and sometimes when the people would actually use the bathroom, whoever had to tie up the sewer line uh-huh. sometimes didn't do a good job, so you would come back in the morning with a lot of surprises. Yeah, you could have yeah. a big mess under the house, couldn't you? You got that right. And I remember one time we actually, because he had to take the inner tube off, and the people would live in the house while we were digging under the house. We had people in, you know, in the house while the bulldozer was under the house. Okay? Wow. <laughs> so, so we used 
the gentleman we used, and we used him a lot, was he had a Case 450 front-end loader, uh-huh. and that's what we used. And it was a nice-sized little bulldozer, you know? So I remember one time he was underneath digging under the house, and they let loose right on top of him. So <laughs> wasn't too happy again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a deal. No, well, I guess you're glad that you're not having to do all that anymore. Well, yeah. It was yeah. a lot of work. It was, My um, dad worked until man. he was 65. Really? Yeah, so that was his life. And this was, this was his company? This was his, yeah. It was uh-huh. called Lester Chin, and then when we got involved with Lester Chin and Sons, and we kept that name. What, what a job, though. What do you do now? Do you have a? Do you have? Are you gainfully employed now? Or? Well, you know, I just sold the insurance agency within the last year. Yeah. My partner and I did, and um, I'm going to school because I'm interested in getting certified as a paralegal. Uh huh. To see if that'll work out, and I'm still doing some insurance. You know, you can't really walk away from it. Yeah. Because I had like 1,700 clients. Well, a lot of them still know who I am and, you know, contact me. Yeah. So you folks had a lucrative um, a lucrative business. Yeah, we had a very nice agency. Actually, our agency was, um, we had the agency for right about 10 years. That, uh-huh. that when we sold it, the average agency that had as many clients as we had was a 17-year agency. So we did pretty good. Well, you know, selling insurance couldn't be the worst thing that a blind person could do. I wouldn't think so. There's another gentleman in in Phoenix, and he's a blind gentleman, (coughs) and he has his own insurance agency, too. He's brokering insurance. We were what's called captive agents. We worked for one insurance company. Yeah, and so he he broker. He looks around for the best deal for people or whatever. You and I went to school with a guy that had an Charles Wiseman and his dad had a... I didn't realize yeah, that. Hmm. It was interesting. You deal with, you know, dealing with the public. That would be the only problem, would be dealing with the public. Yeah, that's you, fun. <laughs> you think so? Oh, yeah. But you're going to become a paralegal rather than a legal secretary. Right. And uh, I, I do a lot of advocacy efforts. I'm, I'm the um, Arizona Council of the Blinds president right now. Uh-huh. And I'm also... Um, the Western Region Advocate for Guide Dog Users Incorporated. Really? Which we split the country into two sections, Eastern and Western, and just and you're split the, it in half and go west, and that's what I handle for access issues with guide dogs. And you're the Western guy, right? Right, exactly. So you involved in this deal? Is it in Iowa where they wouldn't uh, let the girl in uh, to the training school with her guide dog? You, I guess you've read about that. GDUI is correct. Yeah. And that's who I, you know, I mean, GUI is an advocacy organization. Yeah. So that's, yeah, we're involved with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more of the grassroots advocate. I deal with individuals on access uh, issues. Yep. You know, like they get denied access with a guide dog into mm-hmm. taxi cabs or restaurants. Yeah. Things like that. So, but that, but Iowa is one of the um, issues, you know, that we are involved with that complaint. They still haven't resolved that. That no, and that's a that's an issue that's federal. You know, I mean, she yeah. filed a state and federal issue, and the federal wheels roll very slowly. Yeah, so, I heard that. <laughs> so who knows where that you know yeah. how long it's going to take? Yeah. Well, let me ask you this: Did you ever listen to WLS radio? WLS is in Chicago, and yeah, we used to listen to it all the time. I would figure that would be your radio, since you said Chicago land, because yeah. that's their 
That's their expression. Everything on WS is WLS is Chicago land. Well, are you flying your Chicago Cubs jersey at half mast? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the poor know. Cubs. That was typical. I know. figured you moved to Arizona so you could be with the winner there with your. Huh? Well, they brought them to Arizona for, for spring training. Yeah, and, and that, you know one of the last uh, mobility lessons that I had when I went to. Um, the rehab center in Illinois and learned orientation and mobility was to the restaurant where the goat is from. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's Underground Michigan Avenue, so you got to go down Michigan Avenue, which is a large, you know, a main oh, yeah. business thoroughfare in the center of Chicago. And then you have to find the little stairway that goes down underground, where there's like a whole other city down there. And then it's called the Billy Goat Tavern. <laughs> And that's the same, if you remember the old Saturday Night Live, yeah. where the guy was going, John Belushi was on that one, and he was going, cheeseburger, cheeseburger, Pepsi. That's where that is from. Right. So you walk in the place, and they start screaming at you the same thing that was on the Saturday Night Live thing. Cheeseburger, and you got to, like, find your way through that whole mess of people yelling and screaming and things yeah. like that. So. Well, they'll get them next year, right? Yeah, they, they, they did. You know, I heard Tom Brokaw say that the Cubs are real good at snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah, uh, they did. You know, and and I heard that Dusty Baker said to his players, he said, "Well, we just didn't have good, timely pitching and hitting." But I, I questioned his managerial skills too. That last game where he left a pitcher in too long. Yeah, you know we, you know, I mean, one of the more interesting thing with the playoffs. I mean, the Cubs were. You know, we were kind of sad about the Cubs. But one of the interesting things is, you know, what is, is B.H. Kim, I think, was the pitcher for um, the one team. I can't remember the team now. But um, he was the pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks when they won the World Series. Right. Yeah. So, so I was kind of laughing when they said, we're not going to have B.H. Kim in, uh, in the World <laughs> Series. I was going, yeah, good idea. <laughs> Well, my uh, my only experience in Chicago is the train stations, and this place I went in, and I walked in, and they said, "Find your own damn table. We're tired." <laughs> <laughs> what a deal! You know, I love Chicago. Chicago I, was great. Train. They were yelling at you. Huh? They were yelling at us. <laughs> there you go. Uh, they they do a lot of yelling in Chicago. <laughs> that that toddling town. But it's a great city. Uh, it is. City. It is. I'd like to spend more time there, and maybe I will get to something. Right. Listen, you've been uh, a most interesting guest, and uh, uh, we hope you keep on keeping on and uh, listening, and we appreciate you, and uh, might do a blind like me and uh, explore your life in a little further depth uh, down in the future sometime. I'd love to, and thanks for having me on. Thank you, sir, and we'll be back with more of uh, The Blind Handyman in just a minute. Blind handyman listserv. Blind handyman. 
blindhandyman-subscribe at yahoogroups.com. That's blindhandyman-subscribe at yahoogroups.com. Contact information. Blindhandyman at hotmail.com. Blind like me at txucom.net. Blindhandyman-subscribe at yahoogroups.com. Email us often and give us your opinion. If you'd like to be a guest on one of our shows, give us your contact information. Hi everybody, this is Phil Parr. We're enjoying putting these little programs together for you. We hope you're enjoying them too. We've been on with the Blind Handy Man for more than a year now. We've done ten Blind Like Me shows. We're having one little problem. You can help us with it. We always need guests for both shows, and we sometimes have a problem finding them. If you'd like to be a guest on either show, or you know someone who might make a good interview, email us at one of the following addresses. Blind Handyman, all one word, at hotmail.com, or Blind Like Me, all one word, at thqcom.net. Also, if you have ideas for future shows, include them in your email. We'll look forward to hearing from you. And please tell your friends about the shows. Thanks again from all of us at the Blind Handyman and Blind Like Me. are listening to the blind handyman the talk of the blind community our email address is blindhandyman at hotmail.com if you would like to be part of the show leave us a phone number and we will contact you soon now here's more of today's show with phil parr thank you so much jack and uh, a couple little subjects i want to talk about we got an email that we didn't get a chance to read today and forgot it too late or what the deal was the guy said that he had seen the drill doctor advertised on television and wanted to know if a blind person could use the drill doctor. Yeah. Said, a, said a, that it came with a film explaining how to use it. And I can understand why it would because it's a tricky kind of a deal. And I've been kind of thinking all day how I would explain this. And, and uh, if I guess if if you all understand it then i then i've done all right because neither one of you've ever used it have you we haven't i haven't i haven't, I haven't seen it well it's just a little bitty thing it has a very fast speed motor about the speed of a dremel tool you you've got it we've all got it yeah all got dremel tools it winds up i mean it cranks like a dentist up drill yeah it like cranks thing. up hard but what, what let me just let me first of all start by describing a drill bit is is basically like a screw with great big threads on it. Think about it. Yep. I agree and with it's that. Like a, it's like a screw that has one groove, and that one groove starts, and it winds around and around the shaft. Like and a it, spiral. The, yeah, it spirals around the shaft. So it's like a it's like a screw with a big wide thread on yep. it. And all you want to do really is sharpen the point of that in other words, you want to sharpen the first, say, quarter inch of that th- drill bit or that big screw because the rest of it's going to follow what the first of it did. So yep. you don't need to sharpen the whole thing. That's the principle. What The way mine works is this. You have a little set of jaws. First of all, you... <coughs> let me clear my throat. First of all, you have a, a little shaft... Or a little fitting that you put that is probably four inches long that you put the drill bit down in, and you can tighten the drill bit up if you want to in this in this little shaft or this little fitting. 
Well, don't tighten it up. Then you then you stick the end of the drill bit that you want to sharpen, which would be the beginning of the threaded screw, the beginning of the thread, or the beginning of the screw, into a little set of jaws, and you turn it until those jaws have captured the flat side, until those jaws are locked on to the beginning of the where the the spiral starts. Okay. Are you with me? Yep. That you would that the flat side against those against the side of these little clamps, then. You tighten this thing down on the drill bit, and it leaves about half an inch of the drill bit sticking out uh, uh, past this thing that you tightened it up in. Then you move it to the actual sharpening thing, turn the motor on, and start just turning this thing, and it sharpens just the very tip. In other words, you can hear it going around, click, click, click. You can hear each time the tip goes around, it sharpens it. And believe me, it works. Now, that's the way mine works. I'm not sure that's the way all drill doctors work, but that's the way mine works. And my, I got a book of instructions with mine. I think I had my brother-in-law read me the instructions. It, it is kind of a complicated deal. It sounds a lot more complicated than it is. Because I went to mine this morning after I read this email, and because it had been a long time since I'd sharpened one. And it works very well, and it's very easy to do once you... Once you know the sequence of steps that you do, you you put it in the sleeve, you lock it in these jaws with the flat side out, you turn it until you hear it click, and and then you tighten this thing down, then you move it over and sharpen it. It sounds very complicated. It actually works very well, and I assume that's how the drill doctor works. Mine, I bought at Lowe's. But and it may I, be a similar deal. I'm sure it's a similar well, deal. What would you say the, the uh, danger factor is? Can you get hurt with it? No. Okay. There's no way to get hurt with I think it. That, but there, you can actually hear when the wheel is spinning, yeah. the sharpening wheel is spinning, you can you, you can actually hear, though, the, the, the wheel you can hitting hear it, against the tip of the You can hear it bit. sharpening your drill bit. Well, yes, is there you a time limit, or does it stop automatically? Yeah. Or you no, just, no, you just turn it. I guess you could sharpen it till. You sharpen it away. Okay. You know, I just turn it two or three times, and then you take the drill bit out of its little sleeve, and you can feel where it's sharper down there on the end, on that little quarter inch on the end, uh-huh. than it is the rest of the way up. Because that, sh- huh? No, go ahead. I didn't. That shaft is going to follow what the you know yeah. the, the, rest the, 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 the rest of the drill bit. Now, so you don't need to sharpen the whole drill bit, but it's nothing like I thought it would be. I thought it would be like a pencil sharpener that you just stick the drill <laughs> bit in and you, and and, uh-huh. and it. And kind of is. It kind of is. Except it only does the really so the end. So what sizes will it do and what yeah. types of bits? I mean. It'll do any round bit. You know, like metal it, bits? It would, I guess, yeah. How about a wood bit? The big round big wood round drill bit. A big round wood. It'll do any kind of round. That won't do the paddle bit. It wouldn't the do paddle. a paddle bit. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, what would it do? Two inch? two-inch bits? Uh, probably so. Probably. It'll do a pretty good size a pretty good size bit. Now, let's see. I was thinking I've got a two-inch bit. I didn't try it, but uh, uh, boy, two-inch chuck's a big chuck. It's big, that's a, yeah. It is. That's a big oh, yeah. old drill. Big I don't bit. know that I've got a drill with a two. And I think that big drill of John's that has handles on it's got a, maybe a two-inch chuck. My drill press won't handle a two-inch. Well, it might. And how much did it cost? <coughs> I think 30 bucks. So everybody ought to have one. Well, if you if you got drill bits, you ought to have one. I buy cheap drill bits because uh, you could if you were going to sharpen them. If you're going to, sh- I buy cheap drill. I've got a set of really really good drill bits that are hidden from my brother-in-law. 
Uh-huh. He doesn't know. Uh-huh. He doesn't even know I have until he that I bought one time stuff. that are diamond drill bits, and these suckers, buddy boy, will drill a hole through a piece of sheet metal in a heartbeat. Yeah, I uh, but I buy every time I go to the home show every every winter. I buy that little twenty dollars set of, and my God, it's like a hundred and fifty. <laughs> yeah, you get a bunch. It's jillions of bits. It every is. feasible, thinkable bit you could oh, want sure. is in there, and they're and they're just cheap bits. But you use them one time, and they're dull, so you can. Well, oh, yeah, little you can doctor thing. And yes, a blind person. To answer the question, yes, a blind person can use it unless it's different. And anybody buys a drill doctor. Write us and let us know how it works. Uh, yeah, talking about cheap see. cheap bits, I think that works pretty good, except for the ones I bought trying to get through the concrete when I built the deck in the concrete. Oh, man, remember <laughs> yeah. that? Man, concrete would I've be been, tough on I had six bits, yeah. and I bent every one of them, and I still right. haven't got a hole in that concrete. I, I didn't have Whoa. a drill. John Tatum finally went and bought a drill that just a chuck with with a handle on. I mean, it isn't a drill. It isn't a pistol drill. It has a handle on each side that you hold. A hammer wow. drill. Yes, and it isn't a hammer drill. It's just a big drill big motor. Drill. And brother, it'll it'll get it on. I don't know why he decided to buy <laughs> it. Must have been on sale somewhere. <laughs> Only kidding, John. Man. Only kidding. <laughs> That drill with the handles uh, would be. It, it may be <laughs> a craftsman. Well, let me let me tell you one wow. more story. I I came home the other day and the in this and I came out We came on Friday night and I came out Saturday morning. And as I walked up on the porch, building porch, I noticed that the air conditioner compressor was running. And I thought, oh hell, they let the air conditioner conditioner run, because these boys like it cold. It's somebody else's electricity, so they just freeze you out. And I don't blame them, because all my Martin guitars were here. I don't care what they do. They drank every ounce of beer I had and called call John Tatum and said, and said, somebody's come rob Phil's house, all these beers gone. <laughs> anyway, they're good kids, Brian and Bryce. I love them both to death. And But they, what they had done is frozen the air conditioner. And the only thing I figure is they did, they left the door open. And it, it, it one of the things air conditioners do, and I don't know exactly how they do it. The refrigeration man can let us know. They take moisture out of the air. That's one of the ways they cool your house is by taking moisture out of the air. So if you leave the door open, they'll freeze up. Well, this thing had frozen solid and was moving no air, but the compressor is running. If that happens to you, turn it off. Don't let it run. Turn the compressor off, run the fan, and the fan will fall out the coil eventually, and your air conditioner will kabingo, will be run, operating again, which is exactly what I did. But if you leave the door open and your air conditioner running, it'll freeze it up. And that's what these kids did. They didn't know that. They didn't have any idea. And once it quit cooling, they just turned it up more and figured, well, it fills electricity. What the hell do we care? Right? <laughs> so it was just sitting well, there really humming. Huh? It was just sitting there humming. It wasn't blowing. It Man. wasn't one speck of air coming out of that vent in the shop, and you know it'll blow your hat off. If oh, you yeah, know. yeah. Anyway. Wow. Anyway, that's my two little stories, and we've done 56. Or the electric company here loved that, didn't they? That little episode, man. I don't want to hear about it. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> They're going to. All right. Thank man. you, guys. Thank you, Don Patterson. Yes, sir. Enjoy and you sure sounded good on your new microphone. Oh, yeah, my... Uh... Uh, this is just temporary, I know. Right? You, want me to, you, want me to, you want me to give Shaw that mic? I want the gigantic one. Best I've ever heard mic. you, Don. I want the gigantic If one. I can figure out a way to put it on the stand, I'll give you that gigantic <laughs> microphone. Gigantic <laughs> microphone. Thank you, Shaw, boy. Appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, good shot. Tom Houston's here, and he ran the board for us. And thank you, Tom Houston. Yes, sir. And we'll see you again next week. Stay tuned for Blind Like Me. I think uh, after this, we're going to do... I don't know who we're doing. I have no idea. What are we doing this week? This week, I did... Uh, Oh, we're doing a cooking show with Dale Campbell. Cooking show this cooking week. Show coming with Dale up Campbell. Hang on, we're going to make all kind of things as soon as we can get these damn hammers and saws out of here. We'll see you next week. <laughs> all right. I see said the blind man as he picked up his hammer and saw.
Find Handyman is produced by Out of Market Productions, 1604 Southwood Drive, Lufkin, Texas. Phone 936-634-9500.